Keycard presents Back Issue Bloodpath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Petula Neal. Who do you trust? He loves you. Carrot sticks. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Petula Neal. And you might think, what does those three things have in common? Well, they were all things that were said in 2008's Secret Invasion, the eight-issue miniseries where Skrulls invaded the Marvel Universe. That's kind of thing, I guess, the final episode of Secret Invasion, the TV series, where Skrulls have invaded the Marvel Universe in more of a Cold War type way, is available right now. You can watch it before or after you listen to this, but if you are going to stop this and come back, please come back. That's all I'm saying. Please come back. Don't forget about us if you want to go watch that. Invaded, we're invited. Not everyone behaved nicely. Sometimes you have guests come over and they don't take their shoes off. Yeah, sometimes you have guests that come over and go, wait a second, you said you were going to find me a place to stay and you haven't found me a place to stay? Well, this is my place to stay now. That's... That's what that show's about. This Many show- landlords would agree yeah. with that stance yeah. right now as they're looking to bring back uh, evictions without yeah. cause or warning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This comic series from 2008 was much more of an in-your-face, full-on invasion, which did have a quiet kind of Cold War-type feeling before this miniseries kicked off, but this was like the big event that kicked everything into high gear. It was kind of like the big final play of the scrolls. And for people who need a little bit of backstory on this from 2001 to, I'd even say 2000 from 2000 until 2005, when Joe Quesada first established himself as editor in chief at Marvel, he said, I don't want any event books right now. I don't want Dutch crossovers. I want you guys to focus on the characters. I want you to tell your stories. I don't want you to have to worry about fitting into everybody's little thing. Like what almost, a dream. Yeah. And it was. Like, if you go back and read 2001 Marvel, oh, my God. Some of the best stories. Why? Because they didn't have to fuck off into everybody else's books. Everybody minded their own business, and they all told amazing tales. But that couldn't last forever. Of course. And 2005 comes and the House of M happens. And the House of M, for better or for worse, is well received. And it does well. And I think it's because it was the first event book in a long time. It had a coherent plot. And the way everybody was affected made sense. And then we got Civil War, which kind of... Yeah, blew the doors off of the event book where it became its all hype machine, uh, style over substance, all sizzle, no steak, but people ate it up. So then that led to World War Hulk, which was a little bit better told story than Civil War, but was still a pretty big hype machine. So of course, 2008 rolls around. They got to have another event book. So they've been building to it quietly where scrolls have replaced some of the bigger name superheroes in the Marvel universe. And in Avengers, they found out that Electra was actually replaced with a scroll. And so from there, that's when suddenly other different scrolls were kind of revealed to the audience, not so much to 
the actual people in the Marvel Universe. And this event kicks off with basically a multi-front attack. You've basically, you've got a scrawl ship landing in the Savage Land, which attracts all the heroes to it. Meanwhile, up at the space station that orbits the Earth that holds sword in it, I can't remember the actual name of the space station off the top of my head, but it's basically going to make an appearance in the Marvels, the movie coming up soon. So up in that space station, Dum Dum Dugan turns out, oh, look, Dum Dum Dugan's a scroll, and he blows up that station. And freaking Hank Pym takes out the smartest mind in the world, Mr. Fantastic, with a couple of quick moves. And people who had been reading everything knew that already that he was a scroll, so it was no big surprise there. And so the idea is that the world is crumbling and the heroes are basically all in one place and can't stop all these other things from happening. So while the heroes are distracted, the Skrulls will invade the rest of the Earth, attacking New York, which to me, it's even even without the heroes, it's dumb to attack New York. There's too many people there. Like, pick another stronghold. Like, pick some, like, you know, key NATO and non-NATO aligned nation points to attack. I feel like maybe they, they are going for also the intimidation factor of a show of force because they did want to kill some key folks on camera mm. to sort of strike fear globally. Maybe they were also using the squashed gum remnants of Mr. Fantastic to come up with a plan. I'd like to think maybe give him like a first draft joke. Instead of working it out a bit to like make it more uh, nuanced, it's like this isn't a plan that's been on the road for a year before you record the Netflix special. This is like your first trip out of town, right? Right. Yes, to in your parlance as a, a professional comedy person, and you're basing it on when we went and saw Ronnie Chang. That's mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> we got to see the beginning, and then you saw the yeah. special later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is true. The scrolls do say at some points that they picked some of Mr. Fantastic's brain literally to come up with information that they needed to attack the earth. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're basically was... every jerk on Netflix that's like, I want to pick your brain for a coffee. It's like, or here's a decent rate for consulting fee that you can pay me for my time and expertise. We didn't even offer to pay him. They just no, of course not. They said they just stretched him out yeah. and literally picked yeah. his brain. Yeah. Yeah, it was not a good time to be Mr. Fantastic in this situation. Not cool. Yeah. No, definitely not cool. I also forgot the one other thing they did is they took S.H.I.E.L.D. out by infiltrating it with as many scrolls as they could and sending sweet, delightful Jarvis to basically tell Maria Hill, you out, because Jarvis has also been replaced with a scroll. So Don't even get me started, Jarvis. The, the thing that makes me angriest about this is, like, I had to go and reread not a great run of dark avengers because i needed to see again for myself what happens to jessica's baby it's like nobody anyway not not the point it's it's a throwaway at the end because the people writing this series didn't care that jessica luke's baby is just out of these streets with like scroll jarvis oh no no bendis bendis totally cared he just had plans to keep it in his series and not in this big event that's basically what he was. Mm-hmm. Because again, I'll say the plan did work. The scrolls were beating them on every path, and it all came down to get all the heroes in one place and out of the way. 
the way they kept them occupied is what annoys me about this series. So the idea is the heroes under Iron Man, because this is post-Civil War, the heroes under Iron Man, they find out that this uh, scroll ship is going to hit. And then was it Spider-Woman that tipped off? Yeah, Spider-Woman tips off Luke Cage that this ship is crash landing in the Savage Land as well. And so Luke Cage and them steal a Quinjet and get there first. Tony's Avengers show up after that with a lot of reinforcements. There's a bunch of heroes. The ship opens and it's a bunch of heroes, but a lot of them are in like their 1980s or 1990s looks kind of giving off the idea that the Skrulls have been there for like almost close to five to 10 years impersonating the heroes because look at all these people on the ship. Maybe they're the real people. And that was a cool kind of idea. It makes for a great splash panel. Yeah, it makes for a great splash panel. gorgeous. But then the problem is, is everybody over here, Skrull? What's happening? And then in the end, it kind of becomes like a non-issue within... Two issues, everyone who's a scroll there is found out to be a scroll, and that's that. And then the heroes get on with the main part of the story. I understand it was supposed to be a distraction and a roadblock, but to me it was just sort of like, oh, you could have given made that more meaty. Put something there instead of just making it sleight of hand. You know what I mean? They should again, they needed to work on the bit. There were so many opportunities to maybe drag that out, trick them into running off into different bits of the savage land and like isolating them and then sowing seeds of distress by seeding in these dupes so that, you know, you never know who is who. Again, we find out later they have the real people still hold up. So even a better version of the plan would be to drop perhaps one of your less powerful real people in with a couple of scrolls and then really mess with their heads, let them accidentally kill one of their own people while mm. they think they're fighting scrolls. Again, so many options. I feel like our Winter Soldier Zemo did a much better job of sort of the subtle, like, let's let's pull the team apart at the seams. Let's go for some real psychological stuff. Totally agree. The, the bones of a good plan were there, but when you're working with a man without bones... It's it's the structure. It's yeah. the structure. It's giving floppy. It's giving fantastic. Yeah. Not the plan, but the execution. Flop. Right. In right. their flop era of invasions, the scrolls. I was rooting for them. It was great. Like they, all the tools were there. Just like they needed to work the bit out, work on some of those edges. Role play. Which when you're all scrolls, you should be able to role play the F out of this. Literally. Role play as your opponents. Give me a few iterations of this. You need a combination of this plan and a danger room. Run it through a few times, and I'm sure they could have worked out half of these kinks. Mm-hmm. I'll get them next time, guys. One of their other big parts of their plan was disabling Tony and all of Stark technology. And so Tony himself is infected with a virus because at this point, he's no longer in uh, big metal suits anymore. He's in metal suits that are bio connected to his body so he can call the metal to his body from wherever it is and so he's kind of become techno organic in a sense he my suit pieces to me yeah yeah Yeah. and an enhanced human tony has now made himself a true superhero as opposed to just a guy in a suit 
he now has an enhanced power because the suit and him are one a la yeah. Iron Man 2, but not. But anyway. Yes. And the classic bit of him like, now I can't trust my own tech. I got to find another cave and some more scraps and start from scratch. But the difference is this time he can't fully rely on himself because he is infected. Because unlike the other times where his him and technology separate, back technology, he could just push away and focus on the on starting from scratch but right now the bad technology is technically him so much so that the queen scroll can mess with his mind because they slowly set up over the course of a year that spider woman wasn't spider woman that she was actually replaced with a scroll i can't remember if it's exactly what i think is it from the history of one of the issues is that she actually got replaced by the scrolls just after the new Avengers were formed. So after she helped Captain America and Spider-Man contain all those villains within the raft and she's approached to be a part of the new Avengers, it's directly after that when she's replaced by the Skrull Queen. This so is one of the best parts of the plan. Gets in his head and it's half truth because honestly, most things are Tony's fault. True, but she's playing it hardcore. She's making mm -hmm. him think, listen, hey, you think you're Tony Stark, but you're not. You're one of us. But you gave up your life to be Tony Stark, to impersonate him, to take his place so that you could help us do this. You were the key part of the plan. Yeah, that's why you're so messy, Tony. You're secretly trying to just kill everyone in the whole world. Yeah, it's gaslighting done right. Gaslighting done for Love the bigger for purpose. Yeah. I wish it had lasted longer. I wish they hadn't started to convince him right away. I mean, he does still feel guilty later on, but I kind of wish he'd had to sit in it a bit more. I just love like sweaty Tony with his scraps looking so despondent. There are, as we said, some beautiful like splash, punchy, punchy people fighting themselves panels, but Tony just looking toe up at, as she's just giving him the business mentally was some of my favorite because she's looking amazing and Tony's just trashed yeah. and it, it's not a punch it's she got him in the feels no, she got him in his ego she like has some questioning everything while he's sick and it's just it's great and he just has to be as he's helped out later and he's just barely standing I'm like it's what you deserve like a moment of accountability for your shenanigans is what you deserve. And I mean, everybody gets just like thrashed in this as usual. Vision almost gets completely disintegrated. And oh, the kids, they really, oh, Kate, like the babies take some real body blows. Right. Because they're stuck in New York. Yeah. Holding yeah. down the fort. Yeah. Yeah. They're scrapping in the streets once again. Like just people leaving children to be their soldiers. But yeah, that and moment. Hey, Nick Fury shows up that. with a bunch more children as well. <laughs> I could take or leave like Caucasian Nick Fury, but I do like this version of him. He's cute. Yeah. yeah. And, and all Maria's, all Maria's matter. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the thing. What I like about this, because the thing that unfortunately got lost in the Marvel universe, because they decided to take a very different take with Maria Hill in the Marvel universe movies and the MCU Maria Hill is Nick Fury's dutiful disciple. And to me, I always thought that was kind of a mistake. If you go back and watch the deleted scenes from 
the first Avengers movie, the original plan was her for her to be just like she was in the comics, but then they decided to scrap that and make her just whatever Nick Fury says is cool. In the comics, she was a, a, a mid-rank S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who wasn't a really big fan of Fury. Fury disappears, she gets promoted, and feels like, this guy left me with a big mess, so I'm going to fucking clean it up, but I... Fucking hate that guy. That's basically always been her kind of position. Yeah, she was guy. much more of like your Earthbound counterpart to like an Abigail Brand kind of energy. Like, is she good? Is she bad? But you know she can handle herself, and she will occasionally just be like, "Let me just fix this mess myself." Yeah, and they're all just messing things up. And also, like the other thing is, with the exception of Tony Stark, she kind of fucking hates all the heroes. Like, mm. doesn't like hate them with a the passion, but just sort of like my life would be easier if they all just went away. Whereas Nick Fury leaned on the heroes. Nick Fury was like, let's get these people in here to do this job, help shield out sort of thing or do shields job for it. So we don't have to do, worry about it. She's more like, fuck these heroes, fuck up everything. So the big moment for her, of course, she's standing down against Skrull Jarvis and all the shield agents who've been replaced with Skrulls. And she's like, you know, when this is all over, I'm going to get a t-shirt made. I was going to say Nick Fury was right. Because even though I didn't like the guy, I always respected him. And he said to me, if you're going to be the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., you might want to get yourself some LMDs. And if you think I'm just going to, like, I was going to walk into a trap like this, you're sadly mistaken. And of course, they blow it up. It's an LMD. She's up on the high ground, pinging him off. The sharpshooter she is. It is a great moment for her. And it's a moment that was earned because for five years, four or five years in the comics, Bendis had written her in various books as a person that was just sort of like, I fucking hate these heroes. And then heroes would show her up and she'd be like, God, like, why can't anything go right? And then that was her. I just want to have a sensible haircut and then maybe settle <laughs> down with a lady somewhere in Vermont. Cause she's totally like queer coded in the comics and they never really get into it. But I just feel like Maria wishes all the heroes would go away and she could just have a cabin somewhere in the woods where her and a nice lady, you know, I don't think she'd want the cabin in the woods, though. I think you're wrong about the cabin in the woods. I think she's she loves the fight. She just doesn't like the heroes. Yeah, but I think she'd like a space like to have her own quiet time and whatever. And like she would still fight more of a stronghold. I think it would be like a a a secret kind of installation. Sure. She could have a lady friend there, but Oh yeah. Yeah. She'd have uh, some like Blackbird level tennis court opening stuff there. I don't think there's any point where she's at peace is what I'm saying. They'd build them they'd build it themselves. There'd be lots of like hidden compartments and areas, like yeah. Weapons everywhere. Weapons right. behind things, weapons under things. Plus, yeah. she'd have her own little John Wick cement weapon area just in case. Just, just in case. case. There you go. Yeah. yeah. You go, she did it all. She had a big moment, and that was the big moment that was kind of earned that they people, yeah. people at this point, because originally when she was introduced, she was introduced as an antagonist. Fans weren't receptive to her because they weren't supposed to be. But now over time, as her character has been built, fans could be receptive to her. And that was the perfect moment to show fans, hey, Spring Hill's not half bad. Now, the thing I don't like about event books, we talked about it. One of the main things I don't like about event books is that it's never really about the event. It's never really about getting to the end of the event. It's about setting something else up through the event. And that's what this became. At the end of it, 
the idea was Tony Stark out of power, Norman Osborn into power. With his wave cap and his little waves laid and pressed, as always. Again, another character that is definitely coded as black. Yeah. I always kind of got a white supremacist vibe off Norman Osborn, so that's why I wouldn't... 100%. Really... <laughs> as soon as he shows up, I'm like, right, this isn't even about them. And literally at the end of this, all I care about is Jessica's baby and what's going to happen with, like, the knockoff Avengers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so that's really what it was all setting up for. And go going back to that time in my head, I was very deep into reading all the Avengers comics at the time. And so I saw all the build up to this. Reading the series on its own, I didn't go back and read all the build-up or anything like that this time around. Just reading the series on its own. Surprisingly, it is pretty self-contained. Like, for a Marvel event book, you can read it from beginning to end and understand the story. There might be a couple of small things you miss out, but you get the whole story within the book with the exception of they leave the plot thread because they got to leave plot threads because they want you to buy more books about Jessica Jones and Luke Cage's baby. But for the most part, they tell a beginning, middle and end to this story. And for that, I'll say while rereading it, I appreciated that still don't think it's an amazing series, but I thought it was way better than when I read it the first time. So it has that going for it. I guess it improved with age, in my opinion. I will say I agree in that while we both are generally thumbs down on crossover events, what I like about this one is that it doesn't feel like every page is trying to get me to buy a whole other series. Yeah. It's really focusing on the fight at hand. You do have some beautiful splash panels of people fighting and I don't want to skimp on talking about if anything I would say the one thing is that they're almost a little too subtle with like the scroll so like sometimes someone dies and you're like oh there's scroll like because especially with people who have a mask based costume it's like all you get is the chin hmm. all you're getting is that sort of when like, it comes to the scroll the chin is all you need that's actually yeah. the scroll's pickup line <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I mean Think Ripped about your think pleasure. About, as yeah. I was about to say, it's like, think about placement. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. The, the scroll chin is ribbed for your pleasure. So there is a lot of that kind of, we, we drop a body and we're just getting like chin and like half mask. But I will say for this run, the art is giving throughout room for us to focus on our goods and our bads. We're getting a lot of good kind of look at all these lineups, punchy, punchy, smashy, smashy against each other. Some great viscera, some some fantastic finishing moves because they can get really grisly because it's fine. You're not killing one of your heroes. You're just killing a scroll. So mm. there is that. We get to see tortured Hawkeye Ronin. We love that. He's so like he gets very bullseye, which is like the shift from him into bullseye. It's like it's not. It's like, sir, you should not be the one getting on the news to like blame Norman for things later on because you and Bullseye are fairly indistinguishable once you get that Ronin suit on. So, sir, you need to sit all the way down, <laughs> which is exactly what Norman does. He's like, oh, this this war criminal is calling me a criminal. At least I like, oh, my goblin shit. So anyway, 
point is it's gorgeous i will say the prettiest stuff is probably earliest on in the savage lands because you get a lot of what i love is like a lineup profiles and it's like person against person often the person themselves the bit of like luke cage looking at old luke cage be like oh so this is what you think i am like it's fun it's fun there's fun for the whole family lionel francis you it's very obvious to me when i look at his artwork because he's somebody that does a lot of line work very detailed it's kind of like he took the best things from 90s art and kind of just focused on that and got rid of the bad you can tell he's a big jim lee like he was inspired a lot by jim lee in the way of his layouts and panels and as you mentioned the big hero spreads he needed to do a little work on his black people's noses that's my only note okay but the coloring's great that's like the colorist yeah yeah the noses are a little bit sometimes storm's nose it's like that's a black woman okay but yeah other than that it's fine yeah 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 but yeah i think overall he does a really good job of um presenting the big epic panels and giving them a lot of detail but to me it was fun looking at this you book because it had been a few years of him doing superhero artwork on a mainstream level at this point to see that he actually like toned down his lines. If you were to go back just like a year before this in his artwork on like new Avengers, it's like every face has like so many lines and this is kind of like, he kind of toned it down. He learned to just, you know, okay, breathe for a second. Let the picture Yeah, but it's breathe. a book full of scrolls. He gets to throw all those lines on the chins. <laughs> <laughs> he had an outlet. Yeah, it's like, well, I can put all the, the lines here, yeah. Between all the beautiful cityscapes and your crash helicarriers, like, he could get his line ish out on, like, a backgrounds and chins. Backgrounds yeah. and chins, there we go. Backgrounds and chins, that's the name of your Mumford & Sons cover band, definitely. Absolutely. The book, for the most part, in my opinion, aged well. I, w- I remember really being annoyed by the series when it came out, just because... Everything they built for just felt like it was like, and it's done. There's everything that you kind of invested in for the past two years is done in this story. And it's not that big of a deal. And now we move on to this other thing. Reading it on its own now without all of that expectation to it, I can say, all right, this was fun. Wasn't amazing, but it was fun. Also, did the improbable got me a little more excited for Thunderbolts again. There you go. Got you excited. And again, this is a very different Thunderbolts lineup from what we'll see on the Disney Plus, but it is the idea of somebody building a team of give me a one to one of whoever I need to be most kind of PR friendly that we already see building. And in general, it's just, again, it's always good to have a backup plan. And I think that's where your arrogance of your Reed Richards and your Tony's and your Xavier's, maybe not Xavier as much because he does like to have a power backup or somebody that he's like left on the bench or in the G League. But in general, having like a backup just in case is a great idea. Yeah. 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 And Norman Osborn really kind of kind of lays into the backup idea at the end because he's got his new avengers lineup that he's going to be fronting but his backup plan is the cabal which is of course the villain version of the illuminati yeah and my homegirl emma always looking twite 
And Namor gets to sit on that panel, too. Like, he gets to be in the Illuminati. He gets to be at the Cabal. He gets to be everywhere because he's Namor. He doesn't have a side. He is the side. Yeah. That then led into the Dark Reign, which people always say is an event. It's not an event. It's just kind of like a a year and a half of books with no actual event attached to it. It's just Norman Osborn fucking around with people in various books. And very 2008, there's even another Obama reference at this point. Marvel's very much loving Obama. Yeah, actually, it was funny that in the Skrulls commercial that they send out to the people, yeah, you see Obama in there and everything like that, but they have a Skrull who's Steve Jobs, because one of the Skrulls that's talking looks exactly like Steve Jobs. It's like, oh, Steve Jobs is a Skrull. All right. <laughs> yeah, it, it reminds us all of, it's it's weird, this sort of almost world-ending invasion comic. I'm like, oh, it reminds me of Simpler Times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So overall, I'd say if you want to go back and check this out, if it's your first time reading it, you'll think it's okay. If it's a reread, you might find it better than the first time you read it. And if you liked it before, who knows? You might not find it as fun as the first time you read it. It's just kind of one of those it's there type stories. It's not a terrible story. It's not some classic comic. It's just a story that happened. I mean, I definitely enjoyed it more than at the time it came out because I don't even think I read all of it. I think I read the first few and was like, meh. Yeah. And I don't even think I read them when they came out. I think I read them when I got unlimited and was sort of dipping into different things and like almost confirming for myself that I was right, that all crossover events are garbage. (laughs) But yeah, definitely. I would say this one now feels like if you are forced by your kind of executive team to do a crossover, I would say this is the way to do it where it's like, okay, I'm going to cross over, but I'm just going to make it about this fight. I'm not going to have the cute little editor rectangles every page referring to other books that you want people to buy. Mm -hmm. Now, there were other books happening, though. Yeah. Amazingly enough, they kept them on point. It was all like in the Avengers type books, whereas other event books, they're like, what's happening to, I don't know, like... Rick Jones, pick up Rick Jones number one. And the, its connection to it is he looks out the window and goes, oh, that thing is happening. You know, that wasn't with this. They kind of like, if you were Avengers centric, if you're already in the story, your book would be involved in it, but your book was not necessary to understand the story. Yeah. And that's the way you do it. I agree with you on that. Definitely. Well, I think we've come to the end of another episode of Back Issue Bloodbath. Petula, where can people find you? At antiff.com on Twitter, Hive, Spoutable, TikTok, Instagram, at Obesacantavit, O B E S A C A N T A V I T. Still looking for Jessica's baby and here with you. Of course, you can find everything I do over at geekartshow.com. Follow me on Twitter at geekart. Follow this very show on Facebook at Backish Bloodbirth, where we post the new episode every week. And of course, to make sure you don't miss an episode, you can always subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. And, of course, you can find us at geekartshow.com. You can always email me at geekartshow.com for any comic-related questions. And uh, hopefully we'll have an answer. And, hey, if you email and you say, hey, I want my email to be read on Back Issue Bloodbath, we'll happily read it. Geekartshow at gmail.com. This has been Back Issue Bloodbath. I've been Andrew Young. I've been Petunio. Have yourself a good. He loves you. <laughs>